You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Good morning. It's good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bibles or your device or the pew Bible next to you, and you can go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. And every week, as we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, we remember kind of the background of what's happening in the book, and that the writer of Hebrews, he's reminding his original listeners to really what faith is and what faith is not, and what faith does in your life, and and how faith moves us. And if you were here last week, and you can see it now, if you look at Hebrews 11, verse 1, he reminds us of a definition of what faith is and what faith isn't. Look at what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We said this word assurance means reality, that this is an ongoing reality. It's a conviction. That is the next word, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is not a one-time event. Faith is lived. It's reality. It's seeing reality with God, and you're convinced of it, so now you have a conviction, and it moves you. And so look what happens in verse three. By faith, we understand. Verse four, by faith, Abel did all these things. By faith, Enoch, then down seven, by faith, Noah. And then today we'll see in verse eight, by faith, Abraham. So that faith has a locomotive power to it and it moves us. It moves us to walk with God. It moves us all throughout life. There is a durable quality to faith. And we begin by looking at Abraham now. So as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we'll begin in verse 8. And the Holy Spirit tells us, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised." Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through, your, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. 
By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us. As we look now at your word, would you lead us and guide us by the Holy Spirit that we would learn and that we would live by faith now. Help us, King Jesus. May you be exalted and made much of now. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's really how amazing to me that kids act pretty much just like their parents. And if you don't think that's true, you're delusional, right? I mean, I can see my habits and tendencies in my children, some in Ivy and, and some in Oliver. And then I see a lot of Natalie's attributes and tendencies in Ivy and a lot more in Oliver. And, and Ivy, she got my, she's eight, she got my love for peanut butter. We have problems. Um, this girl, she loves, and I do too, I love peanut butter and jelly. I wish I could eat it every day. She, she would rather eat that, I think, than anything else on the planet. And especially right now, there's these, I, I grew up, you know, I'm, in, with, uh, I'm half Mexican, and I grew up eating a lot of Mexican food, Mexican candy. And there's these little Mexican candies called De La Rosas. They're amazing. Um, just a little peanut butter candy. Just imagine if a Reese's peanut butter cup became a Christian. This is what... <laughs> the De La Rosa would be like. And we have a box of them on our counter that I got for Natalie's birthday. She likes them too. Um, and every, I'm not kidding, every day, every morning, every day she comes home from school, every time after dinner, Ivy will go to one of us, raise one eyebrow, how about a De La Rosa? And just like, <laughs> like no, that's, that's for a weekend. That's not for now. She's obsessed She's obsessed with them. And, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I think the same thing every day, every morning, every time I walk past them, every time I'm going to bed. We both have a, just a bent towards them. We can't help it. It's a part of us. Church faith has a bent and a determination towards obedience with God. Because we've been saved and united to Jesus, the obedient son of God. And now that it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us, there is now a bent that every Christian has towards obeying God. There is the obedient bent of faith. And we see it with Abraham. Look right here at the very beginning. And if, if you don't, like, I don't know if does faith really have that. You think about it. Does faith have a bent towards obedience? You read the chapter and you go, oh, it does. Verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed. And he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So he kicks off this section with Abraham, who was back in Genesis. You're in, we're introduced to Abraham. And he's living on his own with, a, with his family and a family of moon worshipers, minding his own business. But then God calls out to him and tells him to go to a land that I'm going to show you. Leave your family behind. Leave your life behind here. Leave your country, leave your past, and head towards your present, and head towards your future with me. 
Now, it's easy to hear that story and go, wow, that's so cool that Abraham went. I want you to think about that for a second. Get out of Bible fantasy land and get into real life. Can you imagine that? You're working your job. You, your family, you all live on the same acreage together, and it's wonderful. You've got your own religious system. You're married. You're happy. Life's good. And then a voice calls out to you, one you've never heard before, and says, go. But I'm not going to tell you where. I'll lead you there. All you can bank on is a promise that I'm going to bless you. I'll take care of you. And I'll give you more. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you more people and children than you know what to do with. More than number the sand. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Would you go? I need to see a doctor. What's wrong with me? I'm hearing stuff. It's remarkable that he went and that he obeyed. Imagine someone told you, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, Chad Rippey. Then Chad's going around saying, hey, God says he's going to make a great nation out of me. You're like, okay, Chad's lost it. Like, what's going on? But Abraham went. Why? What does the Bible say? Verse 8. By faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. He went because of faith. And faith, remember, is not this wish. It's not a shot in the dark. It is reality. He was convinced of God's promise, and so he went with God. He did not draw back. Now remember, if you look, look at 1039, look at the context of what's happening. Why, why is he doing all this by faith, by faith, by faith? Because remember, these Hebrew Christians, they're thinking about going back to Judaism. They're, they're kind of timid, and look at 1039, he says, but we are not those who shrink back. We are those who have faith and preserve their souls. So he's showing them, here's what it looks like to not draw back. Here's what it looks like to have faith and to go forward. Just like Noah, just like Abel, just like Abraham. Hanging on to reality with God. Convinced of what's not yet seen, but going forward anyways. I mean, just think about Noah. We talked about him last week, but just, you know the story. Built this titanic of an ark. Think about this guy. We never read that he put his hammer down. We never read that he dragged his feet. We don't read that he lost his plans. He didn't draw back. And Abraham, he never went backwards. He never bundled up his stuff and said, you know what, forget this. I'm going back to my homeland. This is is not working out. He did sin along the way. So did Noah. So do I. So do you. Even Sarah, look at her. Look at verse 11. His wife, by faith, Sarah herself, received power to conceive even when she was past the age. So Sarah, God told her back in Genesis, you're going to have a son. And then in Genesis, she laughed. When God says, you're going to have a son, and through you the nations will be blessed. This promise of God was so wild to her, it seemed so ludicrous, and it seemed so crazy, that she literally LOL'd. And God says, why did you laugh? She says, oh, I didn't laugh. And God says, yes, you did. (laughs) I mean, it's an amazing interaction. Why did she laugh? Why why did it seem so crazy, so ludicrous, so wild? Well, she's been barren and she's been childless her whole marriage, her whole life. Her and Abraham were well past their prime. The Bible says in verse 11 that she was, even when past the age, she's past the age when it is possible, it seems, to have children. And look at how it describes 
uh, good old Abraham here, verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. What a great pick-me-up about your body. (laughs) Abraham didn't have a dad bod. He had a near-dead bod. (laughs) But faith, reality, conviction of God's promises, they consummated God's promise. I mean, you can fill in the details of everything that they needed to do to consummate God's promise. Here you have senior citizens acting on faith that God is going to give them a child because God promised. It's really remarkable. Noah didn't drop the hammer. Abraham didn't go backwards. Sarah tried to get pregnant with Abraham. And even though all three of them, they all sinned along the way. Noah gets drunk after the ark. Abraham lies about Sarah being his wife. Sarah laughs, has the episode with Hagar, Ishmael. We all stumble forward by faith. That's the Christian life. The Christian faith is not, oh, we got to be perfect people now. It's that we have a perfect person in Christ. The Christian life isn't smooth sailing. It's bumpy. And there's often our own self-induced slips. But God's mercy and strength is always on the other side. What I love about these guys, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, is they had countercultural, head-scratching kind of faith. Don't draw back from that. Don't draw back from faiths bent towards radical obedience. I mean, don't you think Abraham's family, his father, his grandfather, thought he was losing his mind? You're leaving everything we know, you're leaving all this, and you're going to go walk somewhere with some voice? No way, Abe, stay here. Don't you think Noah was ridiculed? You think Sarah and Abraham ever looked at each other each night and thought, are we really trying to have a child? I'm old. You're a day away from death, Abraham. I mean, (laughs) verse 11, look at what the Bible says. Why, Why did they go through with all this? Since she considered him, God, faithful who had promised She knew God is faithful. Church, God is faithful to you. Living by faith, living by reality with God makes you convinced of God's promises and it leads you to obey the word of God and to set out to uncharted territory, to set out into new ways. The Christian life is a pilgrimage. It's every day we're picking up our cross and following Christ into unexplored areas because the Lord is our shepherd. He he leads us It makes us lay down in green pastures. He leads us through the darkest valleys. His word's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And reality with God leads us to do things the world, our families, and our friends may think is foolish. Crazy. But because of faith and its obedient bent, we go forward. And what are those in your life? Because of God's call from his word, the obedient bent of faith is happening. Maybe because you're sacrificing your time and your treasure for his namesake. Or because of God's call from his word, you are forgiving those who have sinned against you. Or because of God's call from his word, you are asking for forgiveness for the people you've sinned against. And because of God's call from his word, maybe you intentionally lose the game of chicken you're playing with your spouse 
and you make the first move to ask for forgiveness and to reconcile. And because of God's call from his word, you're turning from sins, turning from temptation. You confess, you, you love your enemies. Because God's call from his word, maybe you want to go to the nations on mission for the name of Christ. Maybe God's been stirring in your heart to go to the Horn of Africa, to move to the Middle East, or to head to Japan and serve like our sister Jessica this summer. Maybe to leave your wonderful job and move and work for a missions organization like the Krupke family here at Redeemer. Where is the head-scratching faith in your life? It could be in these large ways that we've been describing, but also in just, hey, I'm being kind to others because of Christ. I'm being kind to those who hate me because of Christ. I'm evangelizing at great expense, living all out for Jesus because faith goes forward. I mean, how do we know faith goes forward? How do we know Abraham believed? It's because he went by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive. We know Abraham believed not because he closed his eyes, bowed his head, and prayed a prayer, because he went out. Where is the evidence, the bent of your life of obedience to God? If it's there, be encouraged. Like, yes, I can see moments in my life where before I'd want to do this, or I'd want to do this, but because of my faith, my reality with Christ, I'm bending this direction instead. If it's not there, do you know him? How do, you have, how do you know if you have faith with him? If we believe God is God, we follow because he's authoritative. If we believe God is good, we obey because he, we know he's for my good. God's not out to harm me. And if we believe God is trustworthy, we act knowing he knows what's best. If you believe God is God, you follow if you believe God is good, you obey because you know he's for your good. And if you believe God is trustworthy, you act because he knows what's best. I, I love my little son, Oliver, who's three. He's such an honest little guy. I tell him to do something. He, he says, I don't want to do that. I know you don't, but you need to because I'm the boss. And he'll go, no, I'm the boss. I'm a boss too. I said, no, you're not the boss, buddy. Papa is, I'm your father, I'm the parent, you need to get on the potty now, okay? This is the whole scenario. He says, I'm a parent too. And no, you're not. You use sippy cups. Get on the potty. You're not even potty trained. Come on, let's go. You're not the parent. You're not the boss. And he looks at me and starts crying, but I want to be a parent. You know, he's just crying. <laughs> I just stared at him and thought, no, isn't that how we often are with God? God calls out to us from his word. I think, I don't want to do that. I want to be God too. I want to be Lord of my life. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to ask for forgiveness. I don't want to turn from that. But faith realizes God is in charge and that God is good and that God is trustworthy. Faith moves us. I love what John Piper says. Saving faith is not a mere single act of receiving Jesus. Saving faith receives Jesus in order to go on trusting him. Saving faith is a life of faith. Friends, faith doesn't just protect us from hell. 
Faith brings us into life with Jesus, here and now. So if you believe that Jesus died, nailed to two pieces of wood for your sins, and that he rose again from the dead, you believe that you are saved by faith alone and Christ alone. This also means that now you are being rolled out into new life, living saved with Jesus, living by faith toward new adventures, towards new experiences, towards new life, towards a new future, because there is a futureness of faith. I mean, how did Abraham endure all that he did, all of the walking, all of the battles, all of the wars, all of the struggles, all of the frustrations, the nomad lifestyle? I mean, look at verse 9. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents. That is awful. I hate camping. I have a house for a reason. But living in tents. He's homeless. This is every woman's dream, right? Long-term camping. How did they go through with this? Why? How? Like Doc Brown says, the future. Look at verse 10. For, this is why he did it all. It's why he went through the lands, why they lived in tents. For he was looking forward to the city. Oh, to Jerusalem, to the promised land. He was looking forward to it. Not that one. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking beyond that little strip of land that we now think of as Israel today. He was looking beyond that, past the horizon, to the heavenly city. The place where the community organizer and the city planner is God himself. You see, faith isn't obsessed with just here and now blessings. There is a futureness to faith. It looks forward to the city to come, to the heavenly city, to the one that will be here on earth, down from heaven, the eternal city. The future life to come is a present motivator. The future life to come is a present motivator. Eternity energizes us. But you know why it often doesn't? Especially for us Americans in the suburbs. Is we have it so great. We have it so easy. So we live lukewarmly for Christ. Eternity seems like a downgrade, if we're honest, sometimes. We suffer from what's called an overrealized eschatology. We're like the silly boy in Willy Wonka who eats all the candy and then ruins it all. We think this is the best it gets. How could this get any better? We act like we're already on the new earth. We don't repent of sin anymore. We don't tell anybody about Jesus. We just lounge and we enjoy blessing after blessing after blessing. But real faith knows that my future is incredibly bright. This is not the best it gets. Do you look forward to your future? Or does it scare you? Are you unsure of your future? Every Christian in the New Testament, they become very sure of their future. The Apostle Paul was convinced of his future and longed for it. Do you? You can have an unbelievably believable future with Christ. And if you know Jesus' future, you know yours. Resurrection. No more sin. 
co-heir of the universe by faith and trust in Christ alone. And like Abraham, we won't see it now until we get there. Look at verse 13. So Abraham and Sarah, these all died in faith. We'll talk about this more in a second. We know to live by faith, but we're to die by faith too. And look at this, not having received the things promised. When I first read that, that gave me pause. So God promised them, but they didn't get it. What's up with that? They got gypped. No. But having seen them, the promises, and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So Abraham didn't see the land. Abraham didn't see all of his grandchildren. Abraham didn't see the nation, all the things that God promised. He didn't see it, but he saw it from afar. It was reality to him. He said hello to God's promises from afar. He didn't need to see it with his eyes. He saw it by faith. And because his faith was so real to him, he looked so forward to that heavenly city. What did he say? What did him and Sarah say about themselves? The end of verse 13, that they were strangers and exiles on earth. They talked that way because they sought a homeland. That's what he says in verse at the end of verse 14, for people who speak this way, make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. Verse 15 says, not the place they came from. He didn't call Ur his homeland. Now I'm grateful to live in the United States of America. But if we want to have faith like Abraham, we got to see this is not our homeland either. Our country of origin is not our homeland. We are citizens of another place. I mean, look at what he says at the end of verse 13. Acknowledge that they were strangers and exiles in the Middle East. It's not what it says. That they were strangers and exiles in the Arabian Peninsula. Not what it says. They were strangers and exiles on earth. They felt there is not a place on earth that is actually my home yet. Earth doesn't fit the bill. They knew Ur, that's not my homeland. What is the homeland? Look at verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. That phrase, a better country, how gloriously un-American that is. We desire a better country. And it is not the United States of America. Ours made better, yes, of course. But we desire a country where no legislation can make it better. We desire a country where no president can make it great. We desire a country where unity is found between all races, all time periods. Where crime, we desire a better country where crime and cancer does not exist. The heavenly one, the new earth to come where God's kingdom, Jesus' prayer answered, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where the risen Christ reigns over all and us with him. I don't desire to stay ratified and renewed America. We desire a better country, the eternal one. This is why... Christians, we don't lose our minds when pundits on TV and radio do. 
Christians shouldn't lose their minds when America takes wild turns because we know we have a better country. Do you know that? Do you know that you have a better country that doesn't come through ballots? If you're overly attached to America, you won't feel like a stranger or an exile. You won't do outlandish things for Jesus. You wouldn't dare evangelize someone from another religion. You wouldn't dare tithe or give 10% or give it all to God's mission. You wouldn't dare support missionaries. You wouldn't pursue godliness. You wouldn't call things sin that are sin. You wouldn't see that your anger is sin. You, you wouldn't call things sin the Bible does. Beloved, we have a better country, and now we greet it from afar. We're like a born-again Goldilocks. Not this porridge, not this chair, not this bed, not this country, but that one is just right. And God, as he says in verse 16, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, the stranger, the exile. Why? For he has prepared for them a city. We know where we're headed, to the heavenly city, living toward it, motivated by it. Is that true in your life? And your reality will be tested. You're tested to disobey and, and tested to doubt the future, but there is a durableness to your faith. Look at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, about this son, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God promised Abraham that through Isaac, the world would be blessed. And we are blessed. That through Isaac, through his line, through Abraham and Isaac's line, Jesus is eventually born. Back in Genesis, God tests Abraham's faith. Abraham knows it's through Isaac all the blessings will come. And God tells him, sacrifice your son. Put him on the altar to me. This is wild. So God's promising it's through Isaac that the blessings will come. Now God's telling him, I want you to put Isaac on the altar. What does Abraham do? He goes through all of the steps. That is shocking. His faith is so concrete. He goes through all of the steps. Look at what he says in verse 18. Through whom it was said, Isaac shall offspring be named. But how could he go through this if he knows that promise? Because of verse 19. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Abraham knew this only works if Isaac is alive. So if God wants me to do this, he must raise Isaac from the dead. Let's go. This is amazing because resurrection was unheard of in the time of Abraham. This was not a thing. But Abraham could imagine the unimaginable with God. Because of God's promise, God must he must raise him from the dead so God can keep his promise. And God stops him, of course. The test isn't for God's benefit. It's for Abraham's. It's for mine. It's for yours. Tests are never for the benefit of the teacher. We got a lot of teachers at Redeemer. I don't think any of them would go, oh, I love tests. I love grading them. It's just great. Tests are not for the teacher. Tests are for the student so they can see where they are. So you can see where you are. So what was going through Abraham's heart and mind? 
He knew that God would raise him from the dead. He had great faith in God that he saw that not even death could topple God's promises. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's promises are unstoppable? That even death can't stop God's promises to you? Nothing can stop God's promises to you. And the empty tomb of Jesus proves it. Jesus rose from the dead showing us God's promises are true. That God accomplished what God promised. That he would save sinners by the death and resurrection of the Son of God. Your faith will be tested in ways you can't even imagine now. Parenting challenges. Job loss. Financial challenges. Challenges in your home, in your work. In sickness, in disease, sins against you, sins you've committed, and will I ask for forgiveness, on and on, and even death. And you'll be tested, and you have to sit back and go, is God's word true or not? Is God faithful? Do I still believe what the Psalms promise that God, that he is a shield to those who take refuge in him? That he is our present help in time of need? That he has forgiven me? that my life is secure in Christ no matter what happens, that it is well with my soul. Faith is durable because it knows reality with God. That in our deaths, when they arrive, we can even die well by faith. Look at verse 20. The rest of these guys, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, it's all about how they died by faith. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying on his deathbed, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. This Joseph one is amazing. Because while Joseph is serving in Egypt and he's about to die, he knows by faith, he believes the promises We will have a land. This is not our home, Egypt. So he tells them, when I die, I know we're going to be set free from Egypt. Take my bones with you. Moses is not in the picture, but he knows God's going to take us out of here. He's promised. So take my bones with you. His faith moved him in his death. Jacob's faith moved him in his death. We live by faith We die in faith. Church, we will all die. And instead of going into a tailspin of doubt, assaulting God's character and will, we must die by faith. Steady dependence on God's promises. You know, we we haven't had any funerals of church members yet. It's really amazing that 10 years of our church We will at some point. I don't mean to be morbid or down or... This is real life. And we must learn to live by faith and die by faith. We must learn to die well in faith, looking forward to the heavenly city that we are even discipling each other in our death. This is why older Christians and younger Christians, we must all interact with each other, know each other. Then even when we watch... Older saints go on that we are learning how to die well by how they die.
learning to look forward to the heavenly city as citizens of heaven. As our brother Paul says, it's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed about anything, but now that as always, with all courage, Christ would be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. By faith, this is our bent. Obedience, the future, and the durable faith with Christ. As citizens of heaven, let's live worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.